I don't turn on the TV too often, but it seems like every time I do, I see Braveheart is on. I mean, it is just constantly on TV. And do you ever wonder why so many people love that movie? I mean, you ask any guy, and it's William Wallace standing there yelling, Freedom! There's something about us, and especially in men, that we love this movie. And there's something, I think, that's connected to an eternal story. Because this is a story about the Scottish people being oppressed by England and being harassed and helpless, not being able to do anything. And a man comes along and helps them break oppression and, and find freedom. And William Wallace is that man. I believe that it's, there's a connection to an eternal story that's going on. And that there's something about us that draws us to that. Because there's an eternal story found in Christ, the one who cries freedom for us. And we long for it and we want it. Uh, today, as I share with you, I am uh, going to be uh, sharing some about uh, some things that, that maybe some people doubt or question or struggle with. I'm going to be talking uh, some uh, as if you know about this already. I'm going to be talking some about the enemy, the devil, the sa Satan. Uh, some of his names. And when I talk about that, I know some of you may struggle with that idea. So if you do, I'm not going to take time to explain it. I don't have time to. So uh, go back and check our website. There, there's another message called Mysterious Struggle, where I talk about the reality of what's going on in the spiritual realm and how it affects us here in the physical realm. Uh, the second thing I want you to know before I share this message with you about freedom, breaking the chains and cleaning camp, I, I need you to know that this is just one part of, of a series. And so you could take this and, and you could walk away from this and never hear the rest, and that's fine. But I just want to warn you that we have a tendency to take what I'm about to share with you and become uh, hypocritical about it and, and take what I'm about to share with you and, and we turn ourselves into Pharisees. And those were the people back in Jesus' day who really were religious hypocrites. And so I just want to warn you, uh, next week I'm going to be giving you 12 steps for a recovering Pharisee uh, that goes along with this message, all right? So I, I just want to warn you in advance about that, okay? So right now, I want to talk to you about breaking chains and cleaning camp, one of the ways that we can find freedom in Christ. According to the American Heritage Dictionary, the word free means th these things. One, it means at liberty, not bound or constrained, not under obligation or necessity, it also means not affected by a given condition or circumstances. It also means costing nothing, to be unobstructed. As a verb, free means to set at liberty, to release, to disentangle or untangle or disengage, excuse me. The word freedom is defined as the condition of being these things stated above. We live in a country that proclaims its love for freedom. You hear it all the time. And it's usually referring to a political freedom and a freedom of the individual. Even though we proclaim our love for freedom, we seem to be the most bound, constrained, obstructed, tangled group of people paying such an expensive and costly price that to call our way of life free seems ridiculous. We are bound by time. We are constrained by jobs. We're held captive by our paychecks. We're entangled by our fears, our addictions, our appetites, our inability to rule our own selves. We want freedom, 
but we have the hardest time actually finding freedom and being free. A biblical worldview tells us that a human being is made up of body, mind, and spirit. Excuse me. These things are not separable until death. If the body, mind, and spirit are connected, what part of you is not affected by the other? If you have a problem running through your mind, and your will and your emotions are turning this problem over constantly in your mind for days, does that not sometimes affect your body? We call it stress. You feel the tension in your back, in your muscles, you get headaches. Doesn't it sometimes affect your spirit? We say we're discouraged or we're down. In the same way, if there's a problem spiritually, can't it affect our mind and body? Yes. If our mind, body, and spirit are all connected, you can ask the question this way. What problem or situation I'm dealing with is not spiritual? There will always be an aspect of problems and situations that are spiritual or physical or mental. We're all, it's all connected together while we're here walking on this planet. Humans are not flat characters. We are multidimensional beings. I say all this to assert the idea that the gospel also proclaims. And that is our lack of freedom is connected to a spiritual problem. Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That kind of all-inclusive statement is about the human race. All of us. None of us excluded. Have you ever felt like you've been powerless or enslaved to something you didn't want in your life? The Apostle Paul wrote in his second letter to Timothy that some people have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. What's the will of the devil? Jesus said the thief comes only to steal kill, and destroy. Have you ever felt that things in life have been taken from you or stolen from you? That what you try to build is always being torn down all the time? Ever feel like you're just dying on the inside so much that you wish you could really just physically exit this world? I've been there. All those circumstances. It's a spiritual problem. Some of us experience this problem of sin secondhand. The chains of slavery are handed down to us from our family and we pick them up. You can read about it in one of the Ten Commandments where God says, You shall not bow down to idols or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. <coughs> Excuse me. Punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations. Some of you have experienced this with those who have been enslaved to the sin idols of addiction and abuse. You had a grandfather who was an alcoholic, and in turn, your father became an alcoholic. And even though you're a third generation, and you've chosen not even to drink, you have the manipulative and dependent behavior of an alcoholic. You can see that in any addiction, whether it be food, drugs, sex, or abuse. I think that's just a, a playing out of this third and fourth generation. It's the curse. It's sin. It's a spiritual problem. One way or another, whether it's through your immediate family or the family of the human race, 
The chains of sin have been handed down to you. Many of us have been beaten and harassed by that thief, the devil. We have all felt helpless against sin and our own evil desires at times. But here is what Jesus thought when he came from the Father to us and saw our condition. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. He had compassion on them like a sheep. Because he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus spoke about his mission, he read it out of the book of Isaiah. And then basically told the people, hey, this is my job description here on earth. And here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus later said that though everyone who sins is a slave to sin, that if the Son sets you free, you will indeed be free. In the letter to the people of Galatia, <coughs> that is an amen thing. It's all right to do that around here. I just get going. I keep going here. It's all right. In the, in the letter to the people of Galatia, we read in the inspired Word of God, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do you know that's what He's come, come here for? He wants you and me to be free. Jesus came to bring us real freedom. He came to break the slavery and chains of sin. He came so that we don't have to be oppressed by the thief that tries to steal from us and destroy us. Jesus came to give us sight so that we can see the difference between slavery to sin and freedom in Christ. Jesus doesn't want us to be harassed and helpless. So He has come to give us the help that we need. I want that help. Do you want that help? All right. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Okay, Shannon, if that's the truth, then why do I feel, still feel battered by sin? If Jesus has freed me, then why do I feel like I'm still powerless? Like I'm a moth just drawn to the flame every time. Why do I feel that way? Why do I act that way? There are some things explained in Scripture that I want you to know because I believe that the knowledge of these Scriptures, the knowledge of the Word of God, can help you step into freedom that Jesus Christ wants you to experience. He wants you to be free. And I want you to be free. I'm just going to pray right now because this isn't just about a matter of me speaking words. This is a matter of God doing something here with us and among us. So I'm just going to pray right now. Dear God, there is something that has to be done in each of us if we want to experience the freedom that is found in you, the freedom that you came to bring, the freedom that you brought through the cross, and the freedom that you offer to us through your power and through your promises of your word. God, there are people here who struggle, oppressed by sin, harassed, by the enemy. And Lord, they need your help. Not just today in a gathering of a bunch of Christ followers. They need your help tomorrow. They need to experience your promises, your power, your Holy Spirit now. God, I ask for your help. Make sense of these words that are in my head and my heart and on these pages. Lord, I pray that you'll take them and translate them 
and do something, Lord. Do something among us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what I just described to you about the punishment of sin being passed down to the third and fourth generation? Some of you have experienced that. And it's the sin of parents and the sins that have come down or the consequences of those sins. And I know some of us have not experienced that. We've grown up in families where there's been a godly heritage. And that kind of thing hasn't been passed down. Something different has been passed down. But I want you to know that that third and fourth generation stuff, that, that is, that's like chains. It's like the curse that Jesus came to end. Do you realize how the sin of the parent or the consequences of sin may have been handed down for generation after generation after generation? It's crazy. I just want to show a little picture of that. Just that, I mean, there's, there's a person way back in your history, in your family, some sort of sin. And the consequences of that sin gets passed down. And then someone else later, a grandchild, because they're under the, under the effects or the consequences of that sin, they're more susceptible. They seem to fall for that sin themselves. And then it's passed on. And it goes on and on. But when you have come to Christ and He into you, you can break that chain of sin that goes on and on. You can break that chain, chain and you know that you can replace that chain of sin for the generations that follow you. Let's look at the verse from the Ten Commandments again. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But... And here's the great but in this verse. Showing love to thousands who love me and keep my commands. That's greater than three or four generations. Thousands. Thousands. Do you know that's what Christ can do for you? When you as a person come to faith in Christ, the cycle can end. And your relationship with Christ can result in blessings upon the generations after you. Your children don't have to suffer. Your grandchildren won't have to suffer. You can be a chain breaker, a cycle ender. So you can be the one that ends it all. And instead, after you, the people, they don't suffer the consequences of sin. But instead, they reap blessing. They reap blessing. How can you do it? How can you break the chain, the cycle of sin? There is in Scripture a concept called lordship. When a person believed and confessed Jesus is Lord, it meant that Jesus had rule over you, over your mind and heart, over your life. It was as if, as if that person became Jesus' employee and He was their employer. He was the boss. Jesus had been given the right to direct and command them. More so, lordship was also the idea that you were purchased by Jesus. You belonged to Him. You were His property. In those days when Jesus said, when someone said, Jesus is Lord, you weren't just saying one thing. You were saying, actually, two things. You weren't just saying yes to Jesus, but you were also saying no to any other who might try to take that place of lordship in your life. You said yes to Jesus and you renounced all others. Just like when you get married 
And I said yes to my wife, Sherry. That meant I was saying no to all other women. I renounced them. And I said yes to her. That's what happens with Christ. When you say, Jesus is Lord. Also, when you said this and proclaiming Jesus is Lord, it was also a transference of power and transfer of spiritual location. We left the power of the enemy and the kingdom of darkness and came under the power of Jesus Christ and into the kingdom of light. And here's the problem. Here's the problem why so many of us struggle with chains of sin. A lot of us didn't realize this when we said yes to Jesus. We kept on saying yes to a host of other things that competed for the place of lordship in our lives. We said yes to Jesus, but we didn't say no to all others. So in light of the full understanding of the lordship of Jesus in our lives and this transference of coming out from under the power of sin and darkness and to the power of Christ, there are some things that some of us need to do to break the chains of sin, whether they are our own chains or those handed down to us. Let me share with you four areas where through Christ's promises and power, we can have freedom from the chains. One area, in this area that I've described about generational sins and their effects, there is a yes and a no we need to proclaim. We need to say in agreement with the Word of God that yes, I am one who has been crucified and raised with Christ. That Jesus has redeemed me from this law of generational sin and its effects. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. This is what we say yes to. What we say no to is the past that the enemy throws us in our face. Oh, you're just going to be just like your father. You're going to just be just like your mother. You say no to that past. That's trying to dictate your future. We say no to the kingdom of darkness and know that Jesus Christ has purchased us with His blood on the cross. Because we are His purchase, we are His property. And the enemy has no right to trespass. When he tries, and he will try, we can tell him where to get off. In this area of generational chains, we also say no in turning our backs on the sins of our ancestors. Part of the way we do this is in confessing the sins of our fathers. I know that sounds strange because we know that we're, only, we're held accountable for our own sins. But again, there's this third and fourth generation thing going on. And I see it in the Scriptures. You look at Nehemiah. In the account of Nehemiah, we see him do it twice in this short book of the Bible. Not just confessing his own sin, but the sins of his ancestors. Saying, Lord, forgive. Don't hold the sins of my fathers against us, Lord. In the same way, you might pray that too. You say, Lord, I'm guilty of these sins. Forgive me. And Lord, I ask that you not look upon the sins of my fathers and my parents and the ancestors before me. That you show mercy. You forgive. Another area where we have chains that Jesus Christ came to loose is in the area of deception. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples or followers. That's what we want to be. Christ followers. Then you will know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. In this same passage and conversation, Jesus tells his listeners that the enemy, the devil, doesn't hold to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Some of us have been deceived into sin or have deceived ourselves into sin. We have believed lies and we need the truth that Jesus speaks to set us free. We need to get real and honest with the Lord and out loud in prayer. I say out loud because I also believe from what I read in Scripture that the enemy, he is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. He is not omniscient, meaning he is not all-knowing. He can't read your thoughts. And I don't believe that he's omnipresent everywhere all at once. He can only be in certain places at certain times. I believe he has lots of little friends that he works with and they've got a good communication system. But I don't believe that the enemy can read our minds. And so I believe that there are things that we believe in our heart and minds that sometimes we just need to proclaim if we feel or sense we are being harassed spiritually or we feel helpless spiritually. Sometimes we just need to read the Word of God out loud. We need to speak it in such a way that we believe it and say, this is the truth, and this is the truth that I believe and stand upon. That's why I say, speak these things out loud, or pray these things out loud. I do believe at times that the enemy may drop suggestions that somehow we pick up in our minds. I know that I have a sinful and depraved nature. I can come up with some pretty wicked thoughts all on my own. I really can. But I also know every once in a while, it seems like there's a suggestion or thought in my brain that doesn't come from me. I don't have an explanation for that. But I just want to say that maybe not every thought that crosses your mind is your own. And maybe some of those thoughts need to be rejected, as the Scripture says, taking captive. And when you take those thoughts captive, they need to be ejected out of your brain. But I say out loud, we need to face the truth, and we need to believe, and then call out the lies and get rid of them. Some of us have been really deceived. We need to say no to these things and confess them to the Lord. We don't really need a power encounter or a sumo match with the powers of darkness. We need to have a truth encounter. You don't need to call out and name demons and fight them and, and you know, get into a wrestling match with them. You just need the truth. If He's the Father of lies, what defeats the Father of lies? Truth. Jesus told you what the truth is. We need to have a truth encounter and let truth triumph over the lies. We need to be truthful and ask if we have allowed ourselves to be deceived by hollow philosophy that's dependent on human traditions and principles of the world instead of a philosophy based on Christ. Have we followed deceptive teaching from hypocritical liars and other strange sources that the Bible talks about? Have we been self-deceived by hearing God's Word and not doing it? Or saying we have no sin? Are we deceiving ourselves by thinking we, we won't reap what we've sown? Or thinking we can go long-term long company with bad characters and it not influence us? Are we deceiving by using excuses 
using excuses for our behavior or choosing wrong ways to defend ourselves? Do we refuse to face real things that have happened to us? Do we try to escape from the real world or withdraw to avoid rejection? Do we take out our frustrations on others or blame others? We need a truth encounter. We need to ask like the psalmist did, search me and know me. See if there's anything I am hiding or have been deceived with. When God does show us deception in our lives, freedom is on the other side saying, yes, Lord, I agree with your truth. I have been wrong. I agree with your truth and will follow you. And saying no to letting our minds be be deceived in those areas again. Some of us have believed lies so long we need to have the truth in front of us all the time. A guy I know once lived with deception of self-condemnation so long that he kept a bit of truth in his pocket every day and he would take it out and look at it. And it said this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of you need a card with truth statements like that on it so you can look at it when the lies are thrown at you. You need to pull it out and remember the truth. The chains can just fall off when you encounter the truth. The other area where Christ wants us to be free and not harassed any longer is the area of habitual sins that have had us in the circular sin-confess, sin-confess, sin-confess cycle. This is an area, area where we have been trying to tell ourselves no, but we often forget to say yes. Here's what I mean. Most of the time, these repetitive sins are connected to our body and our will, or as the Bible calls it, our flesh. There are sins like substance abuse, eating disorders, cutting on yourself, sexual sins of promiscuity, masturbation, pornography, homosexuality. The list goes on and on. We understand that the Lord forgives these things, but our flesh likes them. And so we have a hard time telling ourselves no. With these sins, there is a type of bond that occurs, a spiritual bond that is hard to break. It takes more than a no to those sins. It takes a yes to Jesus. You can think of it like this. If I tell, of you, tell all of you right now, I give you this command. I say, don't think about strawberries. What did you just do right now? You just thought about, you pictured a strawberry in your head. Yeah. It's hard to follow negative commands. We are, we're supposed to. It's not that the, those things are wrong. Those commands are good. But there's this whole law of displacement. You may have learned about this in science class. You know, you, you fill up a beaker, a little tube with, with gas. And it's filled with gas. Maybe you can't see it. Or maybe you colored it in your science class so you could see it. And then you take a beaker of liquid. And then you pour it in there to that beaker filled with gas. And as the liquid goes in, it pushes the colored gas out as it goes up. See, you just can't say no and, and hope it disappears. It has to be displaced with something else. You can't say no to these sins without it being replaced by something in your life. We need not only to renounce our participation in these sins, but we need to say yes to the Lord. And here's what we're saying yes to. We need to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to Him, reserving our bodies for Him as instruments of righteousness 
not unrighteousness. We need to offer ourselves daily to Him. But I know some of you are like, but wait a minute. How can I offer myself to God as acceptable and pleasing to Him? I'm not clean. I'm not, I'm not holy. In fact, I feel dirty. Okay, rewind. You need to go back to a truth encounter again. You need to go back and know that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us and our sins, forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, you need to recognize the lie that you are not unacceptable because of your past, that God accepts you through Jesus Christ. If He accepts you, then you can accept yourself that you are really cleansed of your sin and past. And you can offer your body to God saying, Lord, here are my hands, here are my feet, here are my eyes, here are my ears, here are my mouth, my heart, everything, my whole body. I offer it up to be your instrument. Do something beautiful through me. Not the sin that I was once held captive to. You see, you just can't say no. You've got to displace it with a yes. So I'm going to be your instrument. Play me. Use me for good things, Lord. There's got to be that, that displacement that happens. The last area that I want to share with you is where Christ desires the chains of counterfeit to fall off so you can experience the reality of freedom. When we come to Christ, we said yes to coming under His power and His kingdom. We were to leave behind and say no to the counterfeit power and counterfeit things of the kingdom of darkness. We may have been involved with some counterfeit practices of the occult or false religions. And the lordship of Jesus is to be complete. A complete yes to Him and a renouncing no to all others. There are activities, groups, practices, and philosophies that are counterfeit to the kingdom of God. They deny the divinity of Jesus. Or they try to direct your life through other sources in the Bible. Or they require secret initiations, ceremonies, promises, or pacts. Sometimes not being open about what they do. <coughs> Maybe you have been involved directly or indirectly with things like using spells or curses, spirit guides, automatic writing, seances, black or white magic, Ouija boards. Maybe you were involved in what Orthodox Christianity would call cults. Anything that denies the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or says that Jesus is not fully God and fully man. Many of us have been apart and not realized that some popular organizations hold to these false beliefs. Organizations like Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, Christian Science, Mormonism, Masons, and branches of the New Age movement and earth religions. Jesus is serious about His Lordship in our lives and tells us that we cannot serve two masters. You can't do both. One or the other. That would mean worship of anything but the Lord needs to go if you're going to be a Christ follower. You need to renounce what you once worshipped in Zen Buddhism and all types of Hinduism, Islam, or primitive religions, or earth religions. If this has been part of your past, then there needs to be a time when you out loud tell the Lord that you confess your participation seek His forgiveness, and renounce that cult or false religion or practice as counterfeit to the true faith of Christianity. Chains can be broken and freedom awaits. In all these areas, Jesus desires you to be free. He really does. But can I tell you that you might have to do like Moses? 
You might have to come down from the mountaintop with God. And you might have to come down and clean camp. Moses went up the mountain to meet with God and receive the commandments. God tells Moses that while he has been up there, the people have made a golden calf. And they've started worshiping it. Moses begs forgiveness on behalf of the people. And God says he will forgive them. He won't destroy them. But Moses, he comes down from the mountain. And he finds there's the wildest stuff going on. He's just had this awesome time with God. He saw the finger of God write the Ten Commandments on stone. And he's got the Ten Commandments right there in his hands as he's walking down. And as he looks around, he, re- he realizes that practically all of those Ten Commandments are being broken right in front of his eyes by the people, his people. And he knows what he's got to do. Things have got to stop. They're out of control. Moses gets pretty angry. And he throws down the stone tablets. And he draws a line in the sand at the entrance of the camp. And he says, Whoever's for the Lord, come to me. Some people rallied to him. And they strapped on swords. And they went through the camp, killing those who wouldn't control themselves. Pretty serious stuff. I'm not advocating that you go on a killing spree. But here is what I'm saying. Some of you need to get mad. You need to get mad about the sin in your life. You need to get serious about it. You need to strap a sword to your side. You need to go home. You need to cut off some of those things. Been dragging you back into it time after time. Some of you need to get a little angry, like William Wallace did. Angry at being oppressed, helpless, and harassed. You need to get mad about it. You need to scream out, Freedom! I want it! Some of you need to go back to your space at home and clean up the camp. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in this space that is not for you? And I believe that He's going to show you. And the Lord, I think when you do that, some of you will immediately look at your bookshelf. You look at and, you, and the Lord will say, how about those books that are hidden behind those books? And you're going to have to reach back there and pull them out and realize, Lord, I don't ever think of you when I'm into these books. They aren't for you. And you take them and you lay them across that line that you've drawn in your space. Someone else might look in their closet and the Lord might let you know about a piece of clothing that's not for him. You might ask the Lord to show you something in your work or play space and He will say, you know, that one file on your computer or that game or that internet location and you take that and you lay it on the other side of the line. If you have trouble with this, then maybe you just need to open up the Bible to Galatians. It's chapter 5, verses 19 and 21. And you just stand in your space and you read it out loud. I believe the Lord will give you strength to do what you have to do. I believe God will show you what items need to be cleaned out, whether it's in the space of your home, your work, or in the space of your mind. I know some of you, God has already brought things to your mind already. But I believe if you really do this in your space at home, the Holy Spirit will make it clear, and there will be no doubt that an item is not for the Lord. And you'll take this and all those other things and just make a pile of these things that are not for the Lord on the other side of your line. And then if you really want to help yourself 
and experiencing the freedom of Christ, you'll take those things and you'll throw them in the trash or you'll have a little party and burn them in your fireplace. Break the chains of generational sins, the chains of deception. Break the chains of sins, the chains of deception, the chains of habitual sins, the chains of the counterfeit. Clean the camp. Strap the sword on. Draw the line. Jesus came to set the captives free. He doesn't want you to be harassed and helpless. Christ brings forgiveness and truth that brings freedom. Jesus said if you really want to be His follower, then hold to His teaching. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I just want to take time to pray that you'll have the courage and strength because this isn't something that's going to be done here. To do it here would just be a show. This is something that needs to be done in your space, at home, at work, or wherever it may be. And I just want us to pray that God will give us the strength and the anger, and anger of being harassed and helpless and anger against sin in our lives. Let's pray. God, we just need your help right now. We don't need an invitation right now, Lord. We don't need to come up and stand in front of everybody right now. Maybe, maybe some of us do need the help of a brother and sister. We do need that. But Lord, this is something that we've got to be able to do when no one else is looking. It's you and me, Lord. In that workspace, in that play space, at home, or at school. To draw the line. Clean out the camp. Lord, there are some of us here that need to confess sins that we didn't maybe even didn't even know they were sins. We didn't know that they were things that were against you. Lord, some of us didn't even realize when we said yes to you that, that we needed to say no to other things. This is new information to us. But Lord, I know that there's folks here that want to act upon this that they really want you to be Lord of their lives. They want you to be boss. They want you to be the one who is over all in their life. So God, we're going to say two things here today. We're saying yes to you. We're saying no to all others. Lord, I pray the sins that have been handed down in my family from generation to generation will not plague my children or the consequences of those sins plague my children. Lord, I pray that they might be free and that I can walk in freedom. Lord, that I will no longer let discouragement plague my life.
your power, the power of the cross, and the power of the gospel be real today. And not just today while we're gathered here, but tomorrow. There are people that need to taste your freedom. They want to taste it. Help us.